the scriptures today focus on the body. This should not be surprising since the traditional meaning of Lent has to do with the once imposed 40 days of the fast. My preaching and writing have often recommended this voluntary resumption of this kind of bodily penance, never more so needed as in this age of obsessive sensuality. While not intending to fixate exclusively on this form of mortification, I note how useful it can be in curbing the unruly impulses that proceed from the flesh and which are at the root of so many of our sins. The Lenten hymn for Matins urges us, let us use more sparingly our words, food, and drink, sleep, play, and more narrowly, let us persist in this custody. In this regard, we should take into account, besides fasting from food, the abstinence from alcoholic drink, the more regulated times for sleeping and waking, the holding back of the tongue from unnecessary talking, the paring away of arrogant or flamboyant self-display, all those things whereby we thrust forward in self-abandonment the impulses which cause us so much harm. The mortification of fasting is a low-dose deprivation of a needed bodily good, namely of food, in order to quell the body's aggressive and harmful uprisings and cravings and to subject them to right reason. To see the benefits of fasting, we should consider its opposite, that overindulgence which makes the spirit sluggish and the body as well, causing health troubles for many people. And I mean here specifically the troubles of the soul and only incidentally those of the body. Fasting is the hungering for God, a hunger which is sharpened while at the same time being satisfied in a spiritually rewarding way. It is a manner of St. Paul's idea of carrying within him the dying of Jesus, a poignant reminder of the circumscribed, disciplined life which is Christian. In illustration of this point, the church offers us the transfiguration of Christ, a rather too splendid consideration for our yet early days in Lent, so we may think. In fact, the glorious light that shone from Christ on the mountain 
was but a momentary preview of Easter in the otherwise contained, withheld, physical makeup of the divine Christ. From his infancy in the crib, through the self-imposed limitations of his earthly life, until the frightening assaults, mental and bodily, on him in his passion. Christ was ordinarily in a state of reserve, of being contained in a kind of imprisonment, so to say, of divinity, within the confines of humanity. St. Leo the Great said that Christ's body cloaked his divinity. And here we may think of his further concealment in the Eucharistic host. The preview of glory in the transfiguration is an admonition for us to be persevering, to be constant in our Lenten resolutions, because we have a great good in view of the mortified life, namely, life on high with Christ. Another Pauline expression. If you had followed in your missiles as I sang the epistle, you'd be aware of the appeal made to us there to avoid the uncleanness of the flesh, the passion of lust, which disables our sanctification, which is God's will. Two proposed images are set before us then, the radiance of the supernatural life, which is evident in the soul and even in the eyes and the face, and in the general deportment of a self-mastered Christian who is chaste, and the bloated, indulgent, lazy, and listless body and soul of a sensual man. Listen to the relevance of this theme as expressed in today's collect of the Mass, wherein I prayed, O God, who see all of us devoid of strength, protect us interiorly and externally, so that from all adversities in the body, we may be defended and cleansed from wicked thoughts in the mind. I'd like here to make a liturgical point of this controlled, disciplined manner of Christian deportment, especially for you who have a special predilection for the traditional Latin Mass. There we find a strict, imposed order on the celebration of the liturgy, a thing which has been largely overlooked, if not denied, since the liturgical changes were introduced into the church. The old mass embodied, note the word, containing body, 
it embodied a disciplined posture for the priest, the altar service, choir, and people. Something that's palpably felt visually, orally. What I will now say concerns the priest in the liturgy, but it's meant to be applied mutatis mutandis, which is to say, with the needed adjustments to yourselves at Mass, in church, and everywhere and any time outside as well. The restricted, fixed, and prescribed posture of the priest at Mass, most especially in the Latin Mass at the canon, with his hands extended, though close to his body, his feet firmly anchored in place, with a vestment on his back bearing the sign of the cross. All this is a deliberate representation of the crucified Christ, whose hands and feet were nailed in place. The priest being by ordination another Christ, and most especially so at the time of the Eucharistic sacrifice. In this posture, signifying self-renunciation, the priest willingly submits to a limited movement, much as our Lord was made to relinquish his liberty in being sacrificed. This restrained, repressed posture is meant to carry over into a priest's moral and social life and in his submission to the pastoral duties towards his people so that he would be able to say, in a manner of speaking, with St. Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me, who gave himself up for me. Don't get me wrong. I, with every other priest, know how far we fall short of this ideal, both in the celebration of the liturgy and in our lives more broadly. But my reason for making this liturgical point is for you to apply its meaning to yourselves. Your reverence for the Lord in holy worship is the weekly reactivation of your pledged, reverent way of living all week long. It expresses your intention to be God-abiding, passion-curbing, ego-denying, things which make you Christ-like, very much like the Christ who held himself in in the way that I indicated before for most of his earthly life. Transfiguration for us will come through the purifying purgation of a mortified life to which fasting is an outstanding contributor. 
be not protestants, rebels, instinctive, impulsive. Be chastened. As a people who've been rescued from a world headed for destruction, keeping yourselves vigilant as if waiting for the light of dawn from the darkness of the night. That awaited light will be the radiance of the glorified Christ, his transfigured body, to which we hope to bear resemblance on the last day. So much depends on keeping to Lent. It's not a season of 40 days. It's a way of life.